0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, I was reading a fantastic book again, and it's called Can't hurt me by a man called David Goggins. Amazing, amazing man. He's a Navy SEAL and uh, he's a Marine and he holds the record for the most push-ups done in 24 hours. He's also an ultra cyclist and an ultra marathoner. He's, He's just an amazing, amazing human being. But when you actually track back his background, he grew up in very, very difficult circumstances. His mother walked out when he was eight. His father used to beat him, beat his mother. As a result, obviously his mother walked out And he was so overweight, he was 136 kilograms. That's really, really heavy. And he was one of five black people in an all white school. So he was bullied, he was teased. But uh, one day in his thirties, he kind of like had a revelation. He came home from a cockroach spraying job and he decided no more, my life's gonna change and he enrolled in the Navy, he began to lose weight, in fact he ended up at 86 kilograms, lost 50 kilos, and he began to train physically, and now he's uh, he's, he's done so well for himself, he's a motivational speaker, got 1.7 million followers on Instagram. And I wanna quote to you what he says, because he rose above his offenses, he rose above the insults and the criticisms and the bullying in his life to become the person he is today. And he said this, he said, if you want to be one of the few To defy those trends in our ever softening society, you will have to be willing to go to war with yourself and create a whole new identity. I love that. You have to defy this ever softening society. You know, Uh, The current uh, generation has been described as the snowflake generation because you can't say anything. You you can't even just use the wrong word and people get upset. They they are so emotionally sensitive and tender that uh, we've got all these protocols in place. Universities have got documents of things you can and can't say. And instead of people becoming stronger and becoming more powerful, they're becoming weaker and weaker as life becomes harder and harder. So how do we overcome these things? Because they happen in the workplace, they happen in the family, they happen on social media, they happen to you wherever you go. And so what's the key? So today what I want to do is I want to speak to you, and I've entitled the message, 10 Tips on Becoming Unoffendable. Because I believe that Christians need to be people that are unoffendable. We shouldn't be touchy. We should be like Jesus, the unoffendable one. And we should be able to rise above it. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this. There's a, there's a shocking realization I had this week. That if you think about this, most people's conversations that you hear, like if you're in a restaurant, you're you're, you're a coffee shop, and you overhear what most people are talking about. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about other people that have spoken about them or hurt them, and that's what most people's conversations are around. And uh, it's an amazing thing because we're so touchy. Is this what we've come to, The way we, where we're so sensitive and that every little thing upsets us? Wow, that'll take away the joy of the Lord. And that's not how God intends Christians to live. So we're talking about being unoffendable. What, what is actually an offense? Let's, let's consider this for a moment because these are things that can happen to us every single day. Now, here's, here's my definition of an offense. A violation or a breach of a law a custom, in other words, a tradition, you know, like you, you might be offended today that I'm not wearing a suit because pastors should wear suits if they're going to preach. It's a custom. And, and if people break that custom, we get offended. goes on to say, a, or a rule. You break that rule, wow, you've offended me. And uh, also a lack of politeness, a failure to show regard for others, wounding the feelings of others, an insult. Well, I don't know if you realize it, but that's what life is about. This happens to people all the time. And I love this young South African, uh, he's a graphic designer, a social critic, and a writer. His name is Mokokama, Mokanana, and uh, he said this. He said, freedom of speech gives us the right to offend others, whereas freedom of thought gives them the choice as to whether or not to be offended. You see, we've got freedom of speech, but we're curtailing it more and more and more, lest we say any little thing that's going to upset people, instead of letting people make the decision to say, I'm not going to be offended. And I want to give you 10 tips on how to overcome it today. The first two are very quick. Number one, you need to learn to love your enemies, not just your friends. It's so easy to love your friends, but what about your enemies? And, you know, I think we've forgotten the basics of the Bible. And that's why Christians resort so quickly to protesting, to social media, to calling out attacks on people. Jesus actually told us to love those who are against us, not call them out or attack them or protest against them. Let me remind you of the basics of the Bible here. Luke chapter six and verse 27. And it says, listen, all of you, no exceptions, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. My gosh, this is hectic. And then he says, implore God's blessing on those who hurt you. Don't react, freak out. No, no. Go to God in prayer and become unoffendable. And then he says, do you think that you deserve credit for merely loving those who love you? Even the godless do that. Can you see how believers need to live by a different standard? We don't just go along with the herd and, oh, you've hurt my feelings and I'm going to follow what everyone else does. No, we step back and say, you know what? I'm going to be an unoffendable person. Number two, the second thing that I want to give you, a second tip I want to give you is get over your need to be needed. Now, you've heard a lot about this over the years where, you know, it's one of the basic human needs. I think we need to get over the need to be needed. And when you need to be needed, you are easily offended because you worry about what people think of you or what they say about you. It's really an inherent human desire, but in Christ, we definitely have to overcome it. And I think it's so easy for us to, to, to respond when we're insulted or attacked or humiliated because we, we feel undervalued, but I think we need to get used to being undervalued and we need to rise above it and we need to not worry what people think of us or say about us. We need to be impervious to it because you know what? If you're, in, if you're a Christian, you're a dead person. You have died and you now live In Christ, think of a dead person. You can insult a dead person. You can slap a dead person. You can prick a dead person with a pin. There is absolutely no response. And as believers, we shouldn't need to be needed. We should realize we've died, and our lives are here now with Christ. Recently, I read a fantastic book by James Frey called A Million Little Pieces, and I've quoted from it. And he says this, he says, if you care about what others think of you, then you will always be their slave. That's so true. Let's get over our need to be needed. The third tip I want to give you today, and I want to spend a bit of time here, is acknowledge your pride. Yes, acknowledge your pride. Can you believe I'm saying that? Now, pride, the word pride has become a good thing. Now, it's always been a bad thing because it's an overinflated self-esteem. And we should never walk in pride or live in pride because that's when we become oversensitive. Anyone says any little thing? And what do people usually say? Who do you think you're talking to? You see, it's, it's about who am I? How dare you say that? And we respond in our pride and we, we go to other people and we complain. How dare they say that about me and we kind of behave as though we're, we're above regular mistakes or normal things. And, and it's a kind of a self-righteousness. I would never say that. No, you would. None of us is, is above mistakes. And we've got to get, get to a place where we realize, hey, all of us are fallible. And we're likely to make mistakes. And, and I was thinking about this. And, and uh, uh, let me give you this truth today. Whatever I'm offended and angry about in others also exists in me. The offended is also an offender. And you know, when we're offended, we behave as though we never offend anyone, but we do. And, uh, and, 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 and human beings tend to have this overinflated opinion about themselves. So when anyone says anything, we freak out instead of realizing, hey, we're all pretty fallible, you know, shame. They made a mistake and we move on and we've got to get over our pride. Now I was reading a book by Brent Hansen and the book's called The Truth About Us. And he says this, he says researchers at the London University have concluded that a substantive majority of individuals believe themselves to be morally superior to the average person. Studies have actually shown this. And when you ask people, "No, I, I believe I'm slightly better than most people. And, and they go on to say this in the book. Most people strongly believe that they are just, virtuous, and moral, yet they regard the average person as distinctively less so. He went on to talk about the fact that they did studies in prisons, and when talking to prisoners, most prisoners will tell you that they're not guilty and that others are actually to blame for their faults or the things that went wrong in their lives. There's this kind of, that's why when people say something, we respond so badly because we're living either with low self-esteem or an overinflated pride, and that's why we're so touchy and we're so sensitive. And Brent Hansen in his book talks about what he calls at the at least I don't delusion. The at least I don't. You know, you know they did this, but at least I don't. And, and we kind of compare ourselves, he says. And he says, we've got this sense where, we, where, we, where we, you know, we're much better than others. Now, Jesus, when he was approached by a man in Luke chapter 18, the man uh, came up to him, a certain ruler. And I want to read it to you. It says that he asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. So really none of us is so good that we never fail, that we never make mistakes. And somehow we think we're better than others and at least I don't, we have that delusion. And uh, and, and Jesus in talking about this mentions that two people went up to uh, the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other one was a tax collector. And he mentions here that the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Isn't that interesting? I'm not like other people. In other words, I'm slightly above them. And he says, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Don't we love to compare ourselves to people? I'm not like them. I'd never say what they say. And he says here, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. You know, it's, it's that typical thing, at, you know, they drive a V8 and, and they use plastic and I recycle. And uh, so we compare ourselves and we think that we are better than people. And when anyone says anything against us, we can't handle it. We, we're so easily offended. And it really boils down to pride. And we've got to die to that because we are dead with Christ and we need to become unoffendable people. What we often do is we tend to measure ourselves, uh, not just by what people say about us, but what happens to other people. If other people are shown more love than us, then our pride gets affected, you know? Other people are more blessed than us, then then our pride gets affected. You know, when Cain saw that God showed favor to Abel, Cain killed Abel. His anger got the better of him, and uh, he was so offended that, 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 that God would dare to choose Abel above him. Now that South African man that I mentioned earlier, the critic and graphic designer Mokakama Mokahana, he says this, he says, some people will hate you for not loving them. We've become so sensitive that, you know, me, you've got to focus on me and why aren't you, and and, and this is what I'm hearing people say, you know, when we get offended, we get angry and anger is a good thing because that's what motivates us. Well, I, I, I believed that at one time, But I've come to discover that actually anger is a very, very dangerous thing. And if we're full of pride and then we get angry, then that anger results in negative things. And we've got a world of angry people who are justifying it in the name of righteousness, when in actual fact, it goes against the will of God. When you're angry and you act on that anger, you actually go against scripture. See, anger is not something that can be avoided, but it must be something that mustn't be harbored because our pride gets affected. Now we get angry and then we respond. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, why do we get angry? Our pride gets affected. And do not give the devil a foothold. So in your anger, two things happen. There are two dangers, sin and the devil gets a foothold. And so we've got to guard against anger, and we can't justify anger. Oh, we need to follow this cause, and we need to support that. And, and today, if you're quiet about something, it's deemed you, you're complicit. No, we just don't go along with the herd because we're unoffendable. We've learned to rise above comments and negativity because we live by kingdom rules. Now, here the Bible tells us very plainly in the book of Ephesians, and chapter 4 and verse 31, just a few verses later, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. See, what happens is there's a a kind of like a snowball effect. You get angry, your pride gets affected. Now you you start to get into fights, and then you get into slander. You speak out, you say things against others. And the Bible says, hey, just take it on the chin, let God deal with it, and move on. And it says here, along with every form of malice. You'll notice that this is happening in our world more and more And it's because pride is ruling our lives. I am right and you're wrong and I will show you. And you know what? When you get angry, you think it's a good thing because it motivates you. But actually the Bible says it's a very bad thing. In the book of James, James here speaks about anger. And I want you to notice he's speaking to us as believers. And he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. In other words, pay attention. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In other words, we've got some control over it. And then he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You see, the outcomes of human anger are not what God desires in his will for his world. And we say, yeah, but we need to get upset about these things. God's saying, no, you don't. You're getting offended because your pride's affected. Now, when other people are offended, you're allowing that to affect you. And then your anger is not good and it doesn't work out well. We need to seek justice and to love mercy, but we mustn't get angry. And and people constantly challenge on this. They'll say, oh, but you need to get angry because when you get angry. Now, listen, the best police officers are ones who do their job and they aren't angry. The best soldiers who go to war are the ones who are not angry. They're the ones who are focused and well-trained. And listen, if you talk about judgment, sit in a court of law. You do not want to sit in front of a judge who's angry. You want to sit in front of one who's calm, who's looking at the law reasonably and sensibly and looking at you as a person and then making sound judgment. I find that anger doesn't help us. It actually impairs our judgment. It doesn't enhance our judgment. And so we've got to watch out because at the root of it is actually pride. Now, I've taken quite a bit of time to talk over that, but I think we need to challenge ourselves in these areas so we can become unoffendable. Number four, the fourth thing today, the fourth tip that I want to give you on how to become an unoffendable person is start understanding who people really are. You know, a lot of us don't know who human beings actually are. Human beings are imperfect, faulty, fallible, prone to mistakes, say hurtful things, and prejudiced. That's what we actually are. And if you expect anything else from people, you're on the wrong planet. We need to get used to who people really are. You know, when the Roman emperor, uh, 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 Marcus Aurelius, used to wake up in the morning, the first thing he used to say to himself as a ruler is this, Today I shall be meeting with interference, ingratitude, insolence, disloyalty, ill will and selfishness. All of them due to the offender's ignorance of what is good or evil. Just get to know what people are really like. And, you know, we make laws and we think laws will stop people from uh, from behaving a certain way. Well, laws won't stop people because there's human nature. And unless you get converted, unless you give your life to Christ, well, then human nature will actually rule. And, and this is what I find. We're very selective about law as well. If you dare to say anything offensive to anyone, they'll take you to task, take you to court, fine you. Yet you can drive through traffic lights, you cannot wear a mask, you can do all sorts of other things, you can steal money from government, and no one does anything. We're selective about what we apply. But human beings are fallible, and they are sinful, and, uh, and, and we've got to be careful that we don't select certain things as worse than others, but we just become unoffendable people. In a book called Why Creeps Don't Know They're Creeps, by a man called Oliver Marcus Malloy, He says, right now, we live in an age of extreme political correctness. It has gone way too far. I agree with him. Don't you dare say or think the wrong thing, or a Twitter mob of angry villagers will come after you with digital tortures and metaphorical pitchforks. Isn't that the truth? You see, we've forgotten what people are like, and then we respond and we react And well, why is this happening when in fact it's just human nature? Notice what James tells us here again in chapter 3 and verse 2. And he reminds us of what people are like. He says here, we all stumble in many ways. Isn't that the truth? We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I've just read to you from the NIV, but the Derby translation says this, for we all often offend. And he says, if anyone offend not in word, he is a perfect man able to bridle the whole body to It's so easy to get offended. And you know what people do when they get offended? They don't just get offended and you you can see it on their face and they're in a little bit of a mood. What we do when we get wounded is we tend to bleed on other people. Everywhere we go, we drop blood on them, literally, emotional blood, so that we let them know, you have hurt me, instead of just sucking it up and controlling ourselves and moving on. I just brought out a new book called The Power of Intentional Living. And in the book, in a chapter about being a powerful person, I I quote the qualities of powerful people. And I tell the story of ancient Rome. And I want to quote to you from it today because I think it's an important principle that we need to apply in our lives. And uh, in my book, I've written this. In ancient Rome, the Spartans wore red so spectators wouldn't see them bleeding. You know, in the arenas when when they fought as gladiators, They wore red so you wouldn't see when someone was stabbed and they were bleeding. They wanted to be seen as victors, not victims. Too many people want to bleed all over us and tell us our life and others have hurt them. In the world of social media and especially in church, it seems everyone wants sympathy. Weak people do that. Let's just realize and understand who people really are. That's my tip to you today. Number five, as we move on quickly today, and I hope this is helping you and I hope this is challenging you to become an unoffendable person. Tip number five, forgive and don't expect too much from mere mortals. You know, people are just people and they are just dust. Forgive, move on, let it go. Lucius Seneca said this, and I really believe this is so true. He said, you are expressing a wish that the whole human race were inoffensive, which may hardly be. Then he says, the inability to endure insults is a form of mental weakness. If you can't handle what people do to you, you really have not grown some strength and you've not developed really the mind of Christ. Job says this in Job chapter 15. What are mortals that they could be pure or those born of women? that they could be righteous. People can never be pure and never be righteous. That's why we need Jesus. Then in the book of Hebrews, Paul writing to the Hebrews says this. He says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember, people are people. Let it go. Forgive them. they dust. They can't be pure. They can't be righteous. Don't expect them to be. Just begin to move on. And in the book of Colossians, Paul writing again to the church, he gives us this, uh, this advice. He says, make allowance. Now, that's a novel idea. Make allowance for each other's faults because they're going to be some. And forgive anyone who offends you. Gosh, that can happen every day on many occasions. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know, I, I believe we need to forgive And then just move on and let it go because people are people and they're just mortals. They're just dust. Why take it to heart? Grow a thicker skin and don't bleed over everyone. Let me give you another tip, number six. Get used to life being unfair. If you want to become an unoffendable person, get very used to life being unfair. I hear it constantly, read it constantly in books, where people want everything to be fair. They want people to earn the same. They want people to live the same. They want people to be educated the same. But life is just unfair, and we've got to get used to it. And I want to quote David Goggins, the man who really lifted his life. And he says this, he says, everyone fails sometimes, and life isn't supposed to be fair, much less bend To your every whim. In other words, life's not going to be fair. Things are going to happen, people are going to take advantage of you. Uh, You're going to be insulted. You're going to be someone's going to say something you don't like. What are you going to do? Are you going to live your life super sensitive? Well, let's go back to the Bible. Let's not just listen to a motivational speaker. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaking to us, and I'm quoting from the message paraphrase. It says, And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to well, most people use the occasion to freak out, go on the rampage, burn something, protest, go on social media, make a placard. Now he says, use the occasion to do what? He says, use the occasion to practice the servant life. Can you see the Bible's very clear on how we ought to behave? That we ought to be unoffendable, but people are becoming more and more offended and we're having more and more violence, more and more upset in our world instead of growing stronger and stronger. You know, let me remind you that Jesus never came into the world to deal with unfairness and to make everything fair. In fact, when he was approached about fairness, he didn't respond to it. You remember Mary and Martha, they held a dinner in their home for Jesus in John's gospel. And uh, Martha decided to do all the cooking and and to make all the food and so on. And uh, and Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And when Martha appealed to Jesus, uh, she, she said to Jesus, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Well, Jesus actually said to her, you know what, Martha? You chose to do that. You've chosen to cook. Mary's chosen the better portion. Don't get upset. Just leave her. And we want Jesus to step in and take away all the unfairness, but actually he wants us to grow stronger and he wants us to realize that life is actually unfair, but we need to make right choices and we need to look to God in the midst of it. Brand Hansen, who wrote the book about people and the study at the university, also wrote a book called Unoffendable. And I love what he says in the book. He says, we humans are experts at casting ourselves as victims and rewriting narratives that put us in the center of injustices. I hope you as a believer are not guilty of that today. And those who do that, you're not drawn along by them because we need to become unoffendable people. I hope you've been challenged today. Let me give you another one, number seven. The seventh tip in becoming an unoffendable person is get used to others being more blessed than you. You know, I've noticed that people get so offended when others are blessed and there will always be people that are more blessed than, than you. The Bible tells me of the the story of the parable of the prodigal son. When he came back, the father blessed him again. You know, he got half his inheritance, but then he was blessed again. And the Bible says the older brother was annoyed. He wouldn't go into the party. How can you bless him? And people are so annoyed when they see the blessing of others that they get offended. Then they want, every system in the world to change so that things can be fair. Why? Because they got offended at the blessing of others. There will always be people more blessed than you, drive a better car than you, live in a better home than you, have better clothes than you. From the lowest strata of society to the highest strata of society, we better just get used to it and move on and not allow these things to attack us. Can I say to you today, if, you, if you're listening to me and you say, yeah, but it's easy for you, you don't know what it's like to be poor, can I tell you that right down at the lowest level of society, if you, if you don't complain about the blessing of others, you can enjoy the blessing of others if you realize it takes some decisions. I was reading recently that, you know, just, just the cost of a pack of cigarettes a day. They say the average price in South Africa, somewhere between 35 and 40 rand, pack of cigarettes. If you take that pack of cigarettes and you, and you, you save that money, that's 1,000 rand a month I was reading, invested over 10 years at just 8%, you will end up with 182,946 rand. If you got 10% for it over 10 years, saving just a pack of cigarettes a day, that money into the bank, you would end up with 205000 So wealth and prosperity is within the grasp of just about everyone. But we keep looking at those who are blessed and then we get offended. And then we want the world to change to suit us. I was also reading this. That if you drink four bottles of brandy a month, now brandy starts at 199 and ends up at somewhere at 700. I I read up on this. I don't know it. I read up on. So the average bottle of brandy is 350. Four bottles of brandy a month, one a week, is what a lot of people in South Africa are drinking. You take that money, 1,400 rand, and you put that into an investment again over 10 years at uh, 8%. You'll end up with 256 thousand rand, a quarter of a million. So don't look at others. Start working to create your own wealth. Instead of being offended and angry, do something and make a difference in your life. You know, Jesus himself was successful, but when he went to his hometown, those who saw he was successful got annoyed and got offended. And the Bible says they called him the carpenter's son. They said, who are you And and how could you come here and do miracles? And people are so easily offended when others are successful. Rather celebrate the success of other people. Don't let everything offend you. Rise above it, especially if you're a believer. Number eight today. I hope you're getting something out of this. Don't let offense take root and breed hatred and anger. If offense takes root, oh gosh, it'll breed hatred and anger, which can lead to murder. You know, the Pharisees got so offended at Jesus that in the end, they wanted to put him to death. I mean, what did he really do? He came and helped and fed people. This is the sinless son of God. But if you let offense take root, it leads to anger, it leads to bitterness, and it gets deep roots in your life. And you know, people turn on each other when they get offended. People who are once loyal will turn on you when they get offended by you. I've been meeting people in church over the years. We love you, we appreciate your ministry, this church is awesome. Then they get offended by something. You wear some running shoes on the stage with some jeans and now they freak out. Now they go away and they turn on you. That's that's what happens when you let it take root. You know, even King David, he had his men with him at a place called Ziglag, And uh, the Amalekites came along and raided that place and captured his, uh, his wives and, 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 and the daughters and took all their plunder. And when the men arrived back at the camp, they, they, they were shocked. Man, this has happened. David's the leader. All these men have rallied around him. But now because their wives and children have been taken, I want you to notice what people do when they get offended. And it says here, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. They were offended. How could you let this happen? You are the leader. Gosh, it's your responsibility that our camp is safe. But David didn't react to their reaction. He didn't become offended at the offended. He found strength in the Lord. He is God. And it's so easy for us to let these things take root and for us to become offended. And then it affects all our lives, affects all our relationships. And it's not God's will for his planet. And it's especially not for believers. Now, you know, you may have seen in your garden at times, something called the dandelion. Dandelion's an interesting thing because above ground, they, they, they thrive, and especially in your lawn, they take root very easily, and then they've got those little seeds, and when the wind catches them, they blow all over the place, and then they plant themselves, and they replicate. Dreadful. If you're going to pull them out when they're fully grown, they've got kind of crooked roots and the roots are very brittle and they're not easy to get out. And so what you have to do is you have to get down, you have to loosen the soil with a fork and you very carefully have to pull the entire root out because if you don't and it breaks off, that thing grows again. And that's what we have to do with a fence. We have to make sure that the root of the fence doesn't take root in our lives and then anger and bitterness we turn on each other. We need to get rid of it in Jesus. Name number nine, we're nearly done. The ninth tip I want to give you today on becoming unoffendable is don't get offended when others are offended. Isn't it true today that so many people, as soon as someone else is offended, they take up the cause and, yeah, we need to get on board with us and we need to get as angry as they are angry? And I feel it's like a domino effect where one person triggers another person. Everyone's hurt and everyone's angry. And that's not God's plan for our lives. We can't fight every cause and pick up every battle, especially those that aren't ours. Uh, Glenn Beck is a commentator in America, and he's written a book called Addicted to Outrage. And what he says in the book is interesting. He says that when we get alongside causes, especially where we're right and they're wrong, he says actually dopamine is released in the brain, and people in our world today are actually addicted to outrage. The more outraged you get, the more dopamine flows, and the better you feel. So you think you're actually doing the right thing, when in fact you're doing the wrong thing, and you're going against the will of God and it kind of like fuels our self-righteousness and our pride and we feel good about ourselves because we've got alongside these people and they're offended and we're also offended and and we feel good but actually it's the wrong thing and I love what he says in the book I want to quote from his book he says here one of the most effective ways to demonstrate one's own social value is by wearing the trappings of outrage on behalf of others especially if the others are a minority social group The earlier you are and the more loudly you demonstrate you are outraged that some other group has been wronged, the more virtue you demonstrate. In other words, you make yourself look good, you feel good so you think it's right, but actually God says if others are offended, let it be their issue pray for them, move on, but don't let the domino effect take place because the whole world will be angry and violent and slanderous and where will we end up? It's not the will of God. My last tip and my most important one is number 10. Here's the tip. Die and let the unoffendable one be formed in you. You know, when you die to self and you die to Christ and Christ is formed in you, you become unoffendable. The more Jesus lives in you, the less you are offended. The less Jesus lives in you, the more flesh reacts and the more flesh is affected and the more flesh is full of pride. And I love what it says here in the book of Colossians, chapter three and verse two. Let me remind us today. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we don't belong to ourselves. We don't live like everyone else. We died. And when you're dead, you're not offended. When you're dead, you don't live as people who are so sensitive and touchy that every little thing triggers them. But let me take you one step further. The book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. And I want to challenge all of us with this. It says, My dear children, Paul speaking, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You see, Christ needs to be formed in us. The one who is unoffended needs to be formed in us. Let me remind you, book of Isaiah chapter 53, it says he was oppressed, yet he opened not his mouth. Gosh, let anyone be oppressed in speech today and they freak out. But Jesus was oppressed and he didn't open his mouth. We need to have him living in us because we've died And now we're unoffendable and we live like God's people who are peacemakers, who sow peace and bring peace everywhere we go. You know, it's so easy to be triggered emotionally and then because you feel it's right and because it seems self-righteous, you go along. But we've got to be very careful that we don't live by emotion, but we live by biblical principles and by the truth of Christ. As I come to a close here, Jonathan Haidt, the American social psychologist said this. He said, the emotional tail wags the rational dog. And I think that's what's happening in our world today. And Jesus didn't tell us to be emotional, to react to everything. He taught us to die to self and to move forward. That's why when the disciples in the book of Acts, you'll remember, they were taken in to the Sanhedrin and they were accused uh, of, of, of spreading the gospel and, uh, and then they took them and flogged them. And the Bible says when they left, they were rejoicing that they had suffered. They didn't react. They weren't offended. They didn't go on the rampage. No, they just rejoiced. Jesus, in fact, taught them how to do this. He said, when you go into a city and you preach and people don't receive you, don't be offended. Shake dust off your feet and just move on. Because you live differently. The unoffendable one lives in you. I want to pray with you today. And let me remind you, when you become an unoffendable person, you know what happens? You live in true freedom. You're free from what people think. You're free of opinions. You're free of what other trends are doing. And you're not sucked along with them. You're like, well, it's not my issue. Well, it doesn't touch me. I know I am in Jesus. And it's such a freeing thing. And I want you to be free today. And not for us to live like the world, but to live like Christians. Because the unoffendable one, wants to live in us today. Can I leave you with this? Take a tip from me, become unoffendable. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.